0: Welcome to Sober Stories, a podcast dedicated to the power and change that can come from really, really great storytelling. We believe that stories are a massively transformational medium. When we can see ourselves in someone's story, when we share our own story, that's when the magic happens. Here, we tell stories of folks all across the sober spectrum with hope, honesty, inspiration, and probably a few sparkling water jokes. I'm your host, Beth Bowen, and it's a huge honor to be Chief Story Steward around here. With our guests, we pull back the curtain on the good, the bad, and sometimes the downright ugly of what it looks like to ditch the booze, changing the world one podcast episode at a time. Y'all ready? Hey, Sober Stories crew, thanks for joining us for another episode. I know as we head into the last few months of the year, it can feel a little bit like it's getting harder to stay alcohol-free. I just want to let you know that you're not the only one feeling that itch a little bit. One thing I remind myself is that saying no is often in service of my ability to stay sober. Know that you get to put yourself first this holiday season. Now onto our show. I've got a really exciting conversation for you today. I got to interview the wonderful Anaya Zuena, the founder of Austin Sober Social Club, a social space for all who are sober, sober curious, or alcohol-free. The club was founded in October of 2021 with the goal to build community and show others that you can have fun without the presence of alcohol. In addition to running the club, Inaya is also a part-time cat sitter and a full-time cat mother of three. You'll hear a few cameos from her kitties. She lives in Austin, Texas with her partner of three years, Tom. Inaya and I dug into some really great topics like the rock bottom that prompted her to quit drinking, the intersection of childhood poverty, PTSD, and substance use, and how sobriety helped Inaya step into her queer identity. Quick content warning, Anaya's story includes conversations around childhood abuse and suicidal thoughts and actions. As always, when the content of one of our Sober Stories does not support your well-being, we encourage you to skip to the next. After you give today's episode a listen, tag Anaya and let us know what your biggest takeaway was. Here we go. Sober Stories family, give a warm welcome to my sweet friend, Anaya Zawena. Anaya, welcome to the Sober Stories podcast. Hi, thank you. I love um, that we're both like in Austin and I I can actually ask you what the weather's like there (laughs) and know what we're talking about. I feel it in the air. Fall is coming. It's almost here.
1: Yeah. The nights are definitely cooler.
0: (laughs) Well, I am really excited to have this conversation. I feel like I already know some of the answers to the questions I'm about to ask you, but I am excited to share your story with our audience. So let's kick it right off. Give us an overview of who you are, where you are, what you do, tell us about the cats, all of those things.
1: Yeah, so um, I'm Inaya Zuena. I currently reside in Austin, Texas with my partner of three years and our three cats, I am a big cat lady that is tied into my sobriety. I have been in Austin for two years. The Mm. end of this month, I moved from Boston, Massachusetts. I was there for two years, but I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. But I always tell people of the three places I've lived, Austin is by far my favorite and Just two years here and 24 years in Georgia, I feel like I've built more of Mm. a community here and that because a lot of my sobriety is tied into Austin. And so there's a lot Mm. that goes with that, too. But in such a short time, Austin really feels like home. Mm,
0: I love that. And I definitely want to talk about the community stuff because That is one of the things I had written down before this. You are such a community builder. So quickly, tell us about the communities that you run here.
1: Yeah. So I founded Austin Sober Social Club in October of 2021. And it was just, it was literally me on Instagram one night Scrolling through, thinking like seeing a lot of the sober accounts I follow for the past. Uh, at the time, I was uh, a year sober that I followed for mm-hmm. a year, and then branching off and creating these communities in their areas. And thinking, I wish I had something like that that wasn't necessarily recovery based or based mm-hmm. in going to meetings. And so I thought, well, these people are starting theirs, why can't I start Mm. mine? And so it just Mm -hmm. started with me creating an Instagram account and kind of piggybacking off of my current, um, I guess, followers and little sober community in my personal mm. account and kind of just going from there. And it's it's grown um, since it'll be two years since I started this October, along with my second year sobriety. So mm. that's really exciting. Um, and I also uh, recently branched off with a queer and sober community mm-hmm. uh, called Queer Sober ATX because mm-hmm. I identify as queer and sober sober. Those two are really big parts of my identity. Um, Mm -hmm. The queer part is very much tied into my sobriety because I didn't come out until I was sober. I didn't have that confidence Mm. in myself. I didn't, you know, all that jazz. (laughs) So um, that's brand new, but I'm feeling very hopeful about that as well. Mm. You
0: know, I can't believe that you said that you've only been here for two years because I feel like You and I got coffee when you had first moved here. And like, there's no way that was that long ago. But also at the same time, like that feels like you've always been here.
1: (laughs) And you know, what's so funny, Beth, is before you reached out to me, I had been following you and I would go through your posts. And this was like at the very, very beginning of my sobriety. Mm. And I had this concept in my head of what sober people looked like, what their lives Mm -hmm. looked like, what recovery looked like, what it meant to identify with alcohol use disorder or even calling yourself an alcoholic. And I saw you, this like beautiful like woman with this family and you look successful and like you're bright eyed and just like I was like, wow, she Hmm. is sober. And she like, look at her. So and then you reached out to me. And I was like, I was so nervous. I was like, Oh, my gosh, she wants to meet me. (laughs) So I I, I really appreciated you extending that because I I was very alone at that time in my life. Mm. So Mm. it meant a lot. And I don't know if I ever told you that.
0: (laughs) Mm. Thank you for sharing that with me. And it's so funny, because I think we've all had that moment of like, oh my God, that person is talking to me. And then we have this this idea of who they are in our head and we're all just people. We're all just people. I wanted to yeah. go do some yoga and have coffee with a, a new sober friend. But I love that you are creating all this community because I think especially in Austin, we have a vibrant sober Culture, uh, well, not culture. We have a lot of sober folks here, but we'd never had anything formalized. It was always like I knew a couple sober people who they knew a couple couple sober people, and like sometimes we'd all hang out, and like so and so would invite so and so, and but now we have like this cohesive space, which is really cool. But I want to start at the beginning. I want to go back to your story, how you got to where you are today, and what your sober story is. Wherever you'd like to start that.
1: Yeah, so I feel like my story, probably like with anyone's, is very complicated, nuanced. Um, There's a lot that kind of has been added, I guess you could say, because Mm -hmm. it wasn't until therapy that I came to terms with my upbringing and my childhood. Mm. And it wasn't until I went to therapy that a therapist was the first person to tell me that you experienced abuse. You Mm. are probably suffering from PTSD and Mm. just like all these things that in my mind, I had a different vision of based on like you know kind of comparing myself to others who have like a more traumatic story Mm. or just like crazier wilder stories but Mm. it's like talking it out in like talk therapy you realize like these things that you experienced were very abnormal these things were very would be very difficult to deal with for any developing hmm. young human and so i guess long story short i grew up in a very um impoverished underserved black community in atlanta what I grew up knowing as like the ghetto, I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. Um, although maybe people don't use that term these days. It's kind of like. I don't know. A lot of language is very policed these days. But, mm. you know, a single uh, mother raised very low income. And the funny thing is, at the time, I remember my mom always telling us how poor we were, how we couldn't afford to have a lot of things. But it's interesting because I didn't feel poor. Mm. I grew up in a bubble. Our My life was very much tied into the church that Mm -hmm. I was part of, that my mother was part of, which is how she met my father. And so it was very, I wasn't introduced to a lot of secular, I guess you could say, things until Mm -hmm. I moved out of that community at 10, 11 years old. And so I guess, Fast forward um, in my adolescence, early teen years, I struggled very, very heavily with depression and anxiety. Mm. And I think that was a culmination of things of just a lot of the instability of my home of Mm. my family structure coming from I guess what you would say a broken home but also having parents who I knew from the day I could conceptualize it basically hated each other Mm. and you know kind of that struggle of trying to co-parent while you know I don't know. It's just I felt pulled in different directions. I felt unheard, unseen. And I wanted help. When I was 13, I did attempt suicide. Mm -hmm. I was on um, medication already for anxiety and depression, also medication for I have a neurological disorder called dystonia. And that Tied a lot into my uh, depression and anxiety, mm. and so I took a bottle of pills, and you know I instantly regretted it. I ran to the bathroom. I was trying to throw up that night. My mom and I had had a falling out, and again I just wasn't feeling heard. And mm. ultimately, it was a cry for help. She found the empty bottle. They called nine one one. I got an ambulance, and I remember that night too. The paramedic person because it took you know it, it wasn't an immediate effect from mm-hmm. the pills so when the paramedic arrived she was like questioning me and she was just like you know why did you do this like are you trying mm-hmm. to set people she was very stern with me and I remember mm-hmm. like at that time I was very like frustrated with her like why aren't you like acting more sympathetic toward me mm-hmm. but looking back, she asked me questions that I would eventually have to answer for myself and like kind of come to terms with. Mm. But I was in the hospital for a week. And then like two weeks after that, I was in a psychiatric hospital for juveniles. And it it was just it it was a lot. It was a very, very hard Mm. time in my life. Like from age 13 to like, honestly, probably till I got sober, it didn't get Mm. too much better. I mm-hmm. went to college. I ended up dropping out of college because my anxiety and depression, I was not doing anything to treat it. Yeah. At this time, surprisingly, alcohol hadn't started to play a major part. I will say my very first day of college, I went to a party with my roommates. That was the first time I experienced like drinking to that extent. Of course mm-hmm. the first time I got blackout drunk my new roommates the people I literally just met had to tell me all the crazy things that I had done and mm-hmm. um I wouldn't kind of revisit that behavior for another yeah mm-hmm. um, I was 18 so another like 4 years Mm-hmm. Um, but that was pretty much at the time where I dropped out of school. I moved back home with my mom. I didn't have much structure. I was only working part time and I had a lot of time on my hand. And that's when I realized that. I'm over 21 now. At the time, you know, I had a driver's license and I had my own car. And so I was like, I can almost do what I want. And I Mm. had no accountability. Like, you know, my mom was working full time. And, you know, so that's when I started drinking. And those drinking behaviors coincided with a lot of I don't know. I guess I kind of call it serial dating. Like, Mm -hmm. I would just, I kind of, that's when I discovered the apps. The apps. The apps. apps. (laughs) And so that is, that kind of just like allowed me the ultimate escape because Mm -hmm. I could meet someone new and create this persona of myself Mm -hmm. that I want it to be. And it would just be all surface level. Like I had no intention of creating long-term lasting relationships with any of these people. It was like Mm -hmm. one to two dates, on to the next. Don't want anyone to get to know the real me. If you're seeing too much of me, that means it's time to move on. Um, Mm -hmm. That went on from, you know, being in Georgia they're moving to Massachusetts and that's kind of when the story takes a turn as well because I continued that behavior living there I remember I the first job that I had in Boston I was terminated from and it wasn't because of my drinking but my drinking played into the behaviors that caused me yeah. to be terminated and hmm. I remember just Basically, having a pan attack on a bench outside of like um, uh, the public gardens in Boston, and just thinking I can't do this anymore, and mm. I went through another period of being very um, suicidal. It it was it was a very dark time, mm. but I. Maybe as a subconscious cry for help, I thought, because I didn't have any friends in Boston, I didn't have any family in Boston, I moved there not knowing absolutely anyone. So hmm. I incredibly isolated myself and I thought, well, maybe I'll just go on the apps one more time and meet someone. And I really don't know. It wasn't fully thought out, but. It's like amazing because when I decided that, that's when I met my current partner, Tom, and I met him and there was just, you know, we corresponded a little bit on the app beforehand before we actually met and there was something refreshing about it. There was something About our first date, our first meeting, that honestly, it kind of made me feel a little little bit alive again. It made me kind of feel like maybe I can live another day and like let me just see what happens with this. And Mm. I was still hiding my drinking, I was still kind of binge drinking in secret. But I really liked how I felt when I was with Mm. him. And so basically, since our first date, we were kind of like inseparable. We would see each other, if not every day, multiple times a day. I think it was six months into our relationship, we moved in together. However, it wasn't until about a year and a half into our relationship that things kind of my self-sabotage, my kind of those bad behaviors that Mm -hmm. coincided with, like, just the dishonesty of drinking in secret and all that came to a head because Mm -hmm. he didn't know about any of these things. And so it came out after a series of events of just really bad behaviors of, of getting drunk and kind of, like becoming a totally different person. He's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why is this happening? Like, it, like we need to take a step back and kind of figure things out. And I was still very much in denial when he was trying to kind of put these behaviors into my face and like, hey, mm. hello, here is what's happening. Yeah. And this needs to change. This is not healthy. And ultimately, we did have to, you know, when it did come to light of my Drinking the way it happened was a very traumatic experience for the Mm -hmm. both of us. And we needed to separate at that time because it was clear it was going to take more than Like, I wasn't accepting his help. And he knew that I needed to go on this journey on my own. Like, it wasn't going to happen. Like, someone just, like, holding my hand through it. And um, ultimately, he also felt like he was maybe enabling some behaviors. So we parted ways. And it it was uh, another really, really low point for me. Um, again, I was, you know, I moved out, I didn't have a place to go, really, I was unemployed at the time. Uh, fortunately, a nonprofit organization, um, I was able to find kind of like resources here for tem- mm-hmm. some place to temporarily live while I kind of could get back on my feet. But it was that day that I moved out that I decided I don't want this anymore I don't want to drink anymore because I ultimately what it was is I found unconditional love from a human being who was not my family member Mm -hmm. and showed me love in a way that I had never even experienced from a family member that I didn't even know was possible. And knowing that I could experience that and that type of love and commitment and devotion and care and patience and understanding and all these hmm. incredibly things existed, blew my mind. And I was like, this is worth changing for. This is worth finally committing to doing the work on myself so that I can be the best version of myself to show up for this man, my partner, who showed up for me when I couldn't even show up for him for a year and a half. And so... Mm. I I do owe a lot of credit to my partner because at the time I had no self-love for myself. It was the external love that Mm. allowed me to find that self-love. So I spent a year kind of, I say doing the work (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it's like, it's literally just like the first two months, you know, it was me just Sitting with myself, sitting with the emotions, and coming to terms with how I have isolated myself, how my dishonesty and my self sabotage has alienated like my family and my loved ones, and kind of coming to terms with the fact, like, wow, I have no friends. Like, I have, like, I literally have burned bridges with so many people and you know i sought counseling i was able to get employed again full-time i found my first apartment on my own ever (laughs) i was independent for the first time in um well I, i was 26 at the time i believe yes 26 that sounds about right 26 27 and so Yeah, it was just getting back on medication for anxiety, depression, revisiting talk therapy, learning better coping mechanisms. Um, A huge part was finding a sober community online because it opened my eyes to different ways of looking at what it meant to be an alcoholic at the time I identified as being an alcoholic because I had no other language to communicate what I was going through. I will say now that is not a term I use. I I just say I'm sober or, or alcohol free. But having an online sober community showed me that I very much can do this. And I was touched by seeing so many other people's stories that I wanted to share my own story. And that's kind of the birth of my personal Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Now it started with me just sharing my sobriety journey and kind of my day to day life. And, you know, that grew into it's basically just me at this point, which is a lot more than sobriety. But Mm -hmm. a year into that, you know, my partner, uh, Tom and I started to revisit a friendship and mm-hmm. what that looked like and just kind of you know start that foundation of rebuilding trust and communication and you know that grew and on our anniversary of meeting February 1st mm-hmm. um in 2021 we decided to reenter a partnership i still say that we've been together for yeah. 3 years because he's been in my corner you know mm-hmm for the past three years. And even during the times where we weren't on good terms, or we weren't talking, I knew like, we're, we're spiritually connected. We're like, we're connected in a way that beyond our physical bodies and this earth. Mm. And like, that's why I say we're, we're soulmates. I, I Mm. used to think it was the cheesiest thing, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. if it's the only language I have, to mm. communicate what I feel that we have. And so, yeah, that kind of brings me to today. Um, also a year into my sobriety, as I mentioned prior, that's when I started Austin Sober Social Club because at that time I felt secure in my sobriety and secure and stable in where I was at the time where I was just ready to meet people and make friends mm-hmm. and have a community of, of people around me who had similar values in wanting to build authentic relationships and community without not being alcohol f- focused.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, um, I said long story short, but I feel like that was it. still a long story.
0: <laughs> I I always leave this up and ended because there's so much meat in this story and I've been taking notes. Don't worry. You know, I think one of the things that I found really poignant that you said is that so much of your story once alcohol was introduced is about what the like the ancillary behaviors alcohol can bring like this idea of dishonesty and acting outside our values and i think that's really important for people to understand that like alcohol can make us do those things even when we're not consuming it and it can feel so scary when you're in the moment of like i can't trust myself why am I acting like this? I'm not, you know, I'm not drunk. I'm not drinking. I'm not hungover. Why am I behaving this way? And it is one of the things that comes on the other side. It's like it really changes the way we behave in all sorts of different ways because of the way it messes with our brain chemistry. But you know what? I think that I one of the things that I appreciate most about you is your candor and your honesty and the fact that you're like, this is, this is my story and this is what it is, and it's not perfect it's you know we see a lot of like cookie cutter like sobriety is amazing instagram posts and like i changed my life in a day and that's not most people's real stories and it's not the the actual steps it takes to get to where we are today so i loved one of the things you said you said you know doing the work and i think that we all kind of like laugh at that phrase because it's so it's it's like it makes you play like yeah I know doing the work I know I'm yeah gonna, I know. but it's but it's true there's so much that's built around this idea of not drinking it's not just the not drinking there's so many other pieces to it and I just want to say like hearing this story and and I knew some of your story I didn't know all of it but one of the things that's most astounding to me is every time somebody comes on this podcast I'm like the the version of you that I know the Enaya that I know is like who you are now and who you are today and it really is just such a beautiful example of like we can change and we can reinvent ourselves at any different time and the version of me that you know is not the version I was 5 years ago and and I think for I'm rambling at this point but what, what I want to like really touch on in this point for anybody who's listening is like we are never at our final iteration we have never finished, evolving. If we feel stuck, like it's never the end, there are more things that we can do moving forward. One of the things that I think you're really skilled at, and it's hilarious to me because I think I saw you and describe yourself as an introvert recently. And I'm like, God, if is an introvert, I must be like a recluse or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because no, I because am I find... so highly introverted. Yes. Okay. So this I've is come out because... of my little shell, but it, it's a core part of me still.
0: If you've been hanging out with Sober Stories for a while, you know all about QuitLit, the genre of literature covering the diverse experience of quitting drinking. In fact, we've had some amazing authors on the podcast, like Ruby Warrington of Sober Curious and Amanda E. White of Not Drinking Tonight. Since I know you already enjoy plugging into your sober space via your headphones, we've got the perfect partner for you. It's time to check out Audible. Audible is the leading creator and provider of premium audio storytelling, enriching the lives of millions of listeners every day books on tape have gotten a series upgrade with over 200,000 podcasts, audiobooks, guided wellness, and audible originals available. You can tune into your latest lit read on your next hot girl walk or school pickup line. Get a free 30 day trial, including one credit or two for prime members. Good for any premium selection by visiting audibletrial.com slash sober stories. That's
2: audibletrial.com
0: slash sober stories.
2: Hi y'all, Callie here with the Sober Stories team. All right, if you're anything like me, you've been feeling the heaviness of what it is to be human these days, which is why I've turned to BetterHelp. I've been using their platform for a few months now, and I can honestly say that my life has improved so much. Not only can you chat with your therapist whenever it's most convenient for you, but I'm a huge fan of their online journal, which allows me to share my entries with my therapist if I want. And as somebody who has been able to express myself through writing the easiest, it has been a true game changer when it comes to actually sitting down in a therapy session with my therapist and getting to the nitty gritty of it. She gets to see where I am before we even meet and that has just truly elevated therapy. And that's why we are happy to be sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a digital platform that offers licensed therapists trained to listen and help you. BetterHelp has a network of over 20,000 therapists with a broad range of expertise, giving you online convenient access to support. It's easy. You fill out a questionnaire describing your specific needs, and you'll be bashed with a therapist in less than 48 hours, which is wicked fast when it comes to therapy. In addition to your secure video or phone therapy sessions, you can exchange unlimited messages with your therapist between meetings as well. No overwhelm, no barriers to entry, just help when you need it. Join the 3 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com soberstories That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Sober Stories thanks y'all
0: so one of the things you're really skilled at is building community, and I want to ask you like what was the driving factor, and what do you get out of the the sober communities that you have? Why did you do it, and what do you get out of it?
1: So um one thing that I have because deciding to remove alcohol from your life after several years of Abusing it is Mm
2: -hmm.
1: something that really pushed me out of my comfort zone. Feeling feelings and kind of being honest and truthful, even if it, you know, kind of some shame came with it. All that are things Mm -hmm. that kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone and really helped me grow. And that's kind of a pattern I realized. And I dealt with social anxiety, which when I tell people that, I've gotten surprised. But (laughs) um, to help me kind of come out of that and kind of show myself that like, I can do this, you know, this will help me grow, this will help me kind of Practice my communication skills and like social mm-hmm. skills is to just put myself out there. And so that was a big part of starting the sober social club is just like I needed to get more social and stop being scared of being social, especially in my sobriety. And it was kind of like a challenge to myself, uh, a challenge, and also um just again, a way to meet people and bring people together so that 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 was part of it as well as just i wanted friends Mm. (laughs) i I wanted friends i wanted to meet people Mm -hmm. but do it in a way that um yeah inspired authentic connection and wasn't like oh let's meet at a bar let's go to this event where it's like centered around drinking um and i felt like i couldn't really find that for myself as well um like mm-hmm. on meetup app and things like that yeah. like there are sober groups but not that are really just truly centered around like hey let's just get together and socialize mm-hmm. and hang out kind of thing and outside the 12 steps yeah outside of the 12 steps no meetings no like yeah. it's it's very i want it to be very inclusive so mm-hmm. You don't have to identify as sober. You can be sober curious, alcohol free, have no labels, um, mm-hmm. just if you want to come together with a group of people who won't be drinking, we'll be doing other things and enjoying ourselves, like, come along. So, yeah, and it it started with um, just starting an Instagram account and having meetups at events hosted by other community members. Like, the first meetup was the Sands Bar Halloween Party. And then from there, I started doing my own meetups and events. And so it's grown, and, like, it's, it's cool because they're, like, people who come to most of them, if not all of them, and it's like, oh hey, you know, I I've like made friends out of it. So it's 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 really cool.
0: Are we doing anything fun for Halloween? That makes me think. It's coming up.
1: <laughs> it is. Um so I don't have anything planned for Halloween as far as anything that Austin Sober Social Club Mm -hmm. is putting on. There is a newer company called Yacht Drops. Yeah, I've seen them around. Yeah, they're throwing a Halloween party on a boat. Um, So that's something. um, Yeah, so... That's something that's happening. Um, I've kind of shared that on our social stories, but um, this is also a transitional period for me personally, for me and my partner, yeah. because we're—I am transitioning careers and I'm looking mm-hmm. for a job, and will also be moving in October. And so there, it, it probably will go quiet for a little while, mm-hmm. um, okay? While Fair we enough. kind of—I get into a new position and yeah. you know move and get situated in a new home, that kind of thing. Okay, so, fair
0: enough. You're, you're off the hook yeah. for Halloween. But <laughs> you know, I, when I hear you talk about all of the things that were the impetus to start these things, like that is doing the work. That is doing the work of saying like, can I step into these spaces and have authentic connection? Can I allow myself to be seen authentically and for who I am and what I've been through and what I've gone through? What did you find on the other side of that?
1: I found, I didn't experience true like unadulterated happiness and joy until sobriety and feeling Hmm. like I'm building a community and I feel so rooted and grounded in who I am and like doing things every day that kind of honor my sobriety, honor myself, honor my values and everything just feels like it naturally aligns. And yeah, that's what I found. I found Mm -hmm. alignment, I found my truth, I found myself, I found self-love, I found joy, hope, a reason for living, like a vision for a future. And it's like things that, you know, many people may just have always had, but mm. I never had, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it just feels like indescribable, like, mm. you know, from someone who came from so much like darkness and hopelessness and just feeling like if this is all I get in this lifetime, like, why? What's mm. the point? And it's like, I get the point now, you know? Mm. So it's, it's pretty cool to see the, the, the other side of that.
0: Do you think you would have gotten there if you hadn't quit drinking?
1: No, I would, I would not be here if I did not mm. quit drinking. I would not be here at all. I know that for a mm. fact because um, like I told you, i I'd, I'd reached a point um, where I was ready to mm. end everything.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's it's so interesting because I, you know, I'm I'm like, at this point in my life, I've been sober for almost five years. So anytime somebody's like, I have this problem in my life, I'm like, have you tried quitting drinking? <laughs> and I'm like, annoying at this point, because my whole life about sobriety, <laughs> like everything I talk about is sobriety. But I wish more people would consider if they're having a hard time in life, if things aren't going well, if they're feeling depressed, if they're feeling like things aren't working out, if they have negative self-talk, it's like, it might be a lot of things. But it might be partly the alcohol too. And mm-hmm. I think because we have such a black and white idea of who should and shouldn't drink and who can make it quote unquote work versus who can't, we've spread us so far apart that there's this whole middle area. We, you know, obviously we call it the gray area drinking area, but like this whole middle ground of people whose life might be better. If they stopped drinking, but they don't necessarily have a quote unquote problem. And so now now I'm just this person who every time I'm like, have you thought about the alcohol? Maybe it's maybe it's the alcohol. <laughs> it's probably
1: good. I'm not it's like so in therapy, pri- private practice anymore. <laughs> yeah, because if you think about it, it's it's so easy to like you said, if you're having that negative self-talk, if you had just a bad day, if something didn't go as planned, it's easy to just like, I need a drink Mm -hmm. or let me just have this drink. And it's like, well, what if you didn't have that drink? What if you just sat with the feeling of I just had a bad day or like whatever it is. And it's like, you start to develop new ways. It's like, okay, if I'm not going to have this drink. How am I going to deal with this? You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, you could still just have other back coping mechanisms, like I'll replace it with food, I'll binge, yeah, or whatever, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But it also opens up; it, it still opens opportunity for other yeah. options that aren't in drinking.
0: Totally. I've been having this conversation on TikTok lately because I, I've had a couple of videos kind of blow up, and uh, you get very varied responses when that happens. But somebody said, you know, well a benefit of alcohol is that it helps my social anxiety. And I was like, yeah, you're using it as a tool. It's definitely a tool. And when we use a tool, we can run the risk of that tool, especially when it's a chemical substance being something that we become dependent on, like that we have to have that tool to be able to socialize. And it's like this, this slowly moving train. And you're so right when you remove that tool. And and I, I talk a lot about using alcohol as a tool because I think for me, when I think about when I was drinking heavily, I was using it as a tool. I was using it to mask undiagnosed postpartum depression. I was using it to deal with the stressors of my life. I was using it as a way to like turn things off. So I used it as a tool. And when I think back to that, like having it from this kind of neutral framing of it is a tool, it's a maladaptive tool, but it's a tool gives myself some self-compassion. But I think it's you know useful when we think about we're taking one tool and we're going to just use something else. So if we take away the alcohol, if we take away this maladaptive coping mechanism, a maladaptive tool, that opens opportunity. Like you said, that opens opportunity. It can feel scary because it can feel like, well, shit, if I don't have this, I don't have any other tools, but it gives us the opportunity to use a different one. So what are some of the tools that you use?
1: Um. So I do and it's it's interesting you mentioned social anxiety because that was my big excuse I was like alcohol helps my social anxiety I can be social I can be extroverted I can be outgoing I can be the party girl I can be you know all these things with Mm -hmm. alcohol and that was so untrue because one that wasn't who I was and two like as someone who has had panic attacks and you know extreme social anxiety, I'm literally on medication for anxiety. Yeah, it, it's not a tool. It's not a tool that helps. So yes. um, I do a lot of breath work, mm. like controlled breathing, that's something I learned like, very early on, because I think that's part of what kind of would, you know, Onset, a lot of it is just like you forget to breathe, and I don't know, you Mm -hmm. feel like you can't breathe and like you're suffocating that kind of feeling. So, Mm -hmm. just like I think it's called squared breathing, where it's like Mm -hmm. breathe in one, two, three, four, hold one, two, three, four, exhale one, two, three, four, and you do that kind of a few times. And doing guided meditation has helped me focus on breathing, focus on kind of my body rather than Mm -hmm. kind of just all the rambling thoughts, journaling, uh, open communication with my partner. Definitely like having the community as well helps because it's like when you isolate yourself and you're around yourself, you can kind of, I don't know, I I just feel like when you do have community and you put yourself out there with people, you Mm -hmm. kind of get perspective and like, okay, you know, things aren't, what they are in my head kind of thing mm. so and i i feel like i i don't know how but like so i'm a big cat person as you know <laughs> for me having cats has also played a huge yeah. role it feels very therapeutic to have yeah. these animals around me so that's been really amazing too
0: y'all yeah you know, it has the best cat content. You have to go follow all of the kitty pages because if you're a cat person, you're going to love it. And also I've been meaning to ask you because I need a new litter box and I'm like, you know, the best pet products, but you know, I think I'm so glad that you mentioned breath work. That's one of the first things I teach people is using box breathing, square breathing, like you said, or even just five deep breaths because it's a nervous system balm. It's something that calms down our nervous system, which is where the anxiety is coming from. And it's one of our most portable tools. It's one of our easiest tools. I love breathwork. And I, you know, talking about community, I think that that is just such an integral missing piece for so many people who are stepping into the sober curiosity, stepping into maybe quitting drinking entirely. There's, it just feels so lonely and it feels like Everyone drinks, and it feels like you don't know a single sober person or a single person who chooses to abstain from alcohol, whether or not they quote unquote had a problem or didn't. So for somebody listening who is starting to explore this and has like a big fear around the community piece, has a big fear around socializing, meeting people, getting to know people, having connection, what do you recommend how do you how did you get started with this?
1: Okay, so I know in this day and age, you know, a lot of people may not be pro social media, but if we're taking advice from me, which you asked for my advice, yep, I, did. <laughs> um, I would say Instagram specifically yeah. played a huge role in me building a community. And it's very low stakes because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to present yourself in person or like face-to-face interaction. You can just start by what I did is following hashtags. So I would follow like sober, sober community. I didn't know sober curious was a thing before, but like, um, like, you know, recovery, a lot of Mm recovery-based hashtags at the start. But just following those hashtags, finding accounts, like, you know, even having your sober stories, like if I had this at the Mm -hmm. time, that would have been amazing because just that was a big part of it. It's listening to other people's stories and knowing I wasn't alone. And Mm -hmm. that helped me feel less lonely. So that's definitely a good start. And then from there, maybe you'll build the confidence after you maybe Mm. have a rapport with one of these accounts online to like, go in person if you Mm -hmm. see any meetups or anything and you know you don't have to talk to anyone but someone's probably gonna (laughs) say hello and try to get to know you because from my experience everyone's so friendly people are coming out to this because they want to meet people they want to engage Mm -hmm. and so no one's I haven't experienced like exclusion or any type of Mm -hmm. clickiness or like you know Mm -hmm. people being rude it's 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 very, it's a very welcoming community, so. Mm.
0: I am the same way. I'm like sober Instagram. That's where you gotta go. It's funny that you say specifically Instagram though, because that's an important caveat. I am on sober TikTok. It's very different. I'm on sober Instagram. I tiptoed into sober Twitter at one point in time, and that place is is not for me. Sober Facebook, not really for me. Like there are very different flavors of the sober yeah. <laughs> community on each one. And Instagram has been just so welcoming and so open and and um what's the word I'm looking for? Open minded. Like there are just so many people doing this in different ways with different labels and different verbiage or no labels. And, and there can be some like tribalism around what category you're in, but not as bad as some of the other social media places I've been. And I think it's just such an interesting space. You know, people see you or me and like we've been doing this for some time and they're like, how do I meet people? I'm like, every single sober friendship I have now started by one of us sliding into the DMs, every single one of them. It's like, Uh that's how you and I connected, my friend Victoria, like it's literally finding somebody who you relate to and you're like, I dig what they're doing. And then having the courage to say, hey, you're cool. Let's hang out. Or even just like building that friendship just from conversations. Because one of the things that I tell people is like, if you are craving connection, if you are craving a friendship, if you want to reach out to somebody and you want them to be your friend, odds are our human experience is so universal. Like we are all craving connection. We are all seeking relationships. We all want to feel included. We want to feel like we fit in. I'm no different. You're no different. Like we have such similar human experiences that if we feel this like pull to connect, it's probably pretty likely that that other person does too. They're not going to be like, Ooh, what a weirdo. Like, mm you know, I asked me a DM, like, no, like everyone is really craving this connection and we have such curated lives and we have such, it's like all of the things that social media can bring makes it look like we all have it together, but really everyone just wants to connect. Everyone wants to relate to people. They're there for a reason. So I really, I like, I like the Instagram DM slide. That's, that's my MO.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Before we end our conversation today, I would like to ask you, if your story were to be written into a book, what would it be titled and what kind of book would
1: it be? I would call it, so it'd be one of those like title, subtitle. So it mm-hmm. would be Inaya Zoena, Divine Guidance. Ooh. Because one, my first name, Inaya, mm-hmm. means divine guidance. And also I feel like you know, I, I guess I didn't touch on it very much, but I found spirituality in sobriety as mm. well. And there is a higher power within me, kind of like an inner divinity that has guided mm. me. And I feel like that would be a good title, and it would tie in like I love it. me.
0: <laughs> yeah. With your name. That's beautiful. Okay. Well, I know we're running out of time, but I have to ask you now, tell us about the spirituality piece. Tell us how that came about. <laughs> I'm going to continue yeah. this train.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that came about, funny enough, it came about through going. So when I first got sober, I did go to AA meetings because that's all I yeah. knew. And there was a lot of got talk and You know, I I spent most of my life rejecting that because I grew up in a strict Christian household, Mm. and I kind of learned a lot of it to not be true, all that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, and I just kind of rejected a lot of it. So I wasn't open to spirituality. I wasn't really open to anything. And to be honest, it's rethinking God because I remember in one of the meetings, someone mentioned that. That was something they struggled with, too, is the whole God Mm -hmm. concept that's integrated into the steps and replacing Mm -hmm. God with higher power or with any name, like, call it, you know, Regina or something. (laughs) Regina. (laughs) My higher power, Regina. (laughs) the point is you define it for yourself and it's like you have to find that for yourself and like how you connect with yourself and connect with the external world and so Mm -hmm. I found my like for me spirituality is like I find spirituality through like connection through nature Mm -hmm. and like I'm not so great at articulating it now, but I I do say that I am a spiritual person in how I connect with myself and with the world mm. around me. If that makes sense.
0: Mm. It makes total sense. And and you know, it's so interesting. I I have met a lot of people, and I include myself in this category, who rejected spirituality, religion prior to getting sober that was a sticking point for AA. Like it was part of the reason I was like, this isn't going to work for me. And then you quit drinking and then you realize, oh, we're all so connected and, you know, get all, um, you can't see it, but my shelf's full of all sorts of things that would tell you otherwise. And, you know, I think it's really interesting. I, I frame it from a frame, at least for myself, of like intuition and being able to trust self and how self is connected. And I just think... We could, we could have a whole different conversation about this, but I think it opens up receptivity and it opens up possibility and, and curiosity. So I'm, I'm glad we got to add one little snippet here because I, I had to know yeah. more about that. Last question for you. Second to last question for you. I, right before this episode was uh, catching up on The Bachelor. Who's your prediction? This won't be a spoiler alert because this will come out after the end. What's, what's your prediction? Got to know.
1: Okay, for Rachel, I was sold on Tino, but I'm kind of starting to get some kind of ick vibes. So I think it's going to be Zach. And for Gabby, I want it to be Jason, Mm. but I'm not sure because he's the only one that seems – I know now he's, like, hesitant. He's like, I don't know if I can see an engagement, which I think is very realistic if you're being, like, very real about it. like. I've known you for two months, like, come on. Yeah. But um, I like him best.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. I agree with you on Tino. And I'm like – the the ick vibes but i think she's still gonna pick them so anyway we we will see we will see how this episode ages because i think yeah. it'll be a couple weeks still but all right my friend this has been incredible i just really appreciate you and your candor and also the space you build you build a lot of really beautiful spaces for people who don't have spaces to exist elsewhere so i know our people going to want are going to want to connect with you i know they'll want to find you where can they find you what do you have going on in your world
1: so I myself personally am on Instagram at inaya.zuwena, I-N-A-Y-A dot Z-U-W-E-N-A. Um, you can connect with Austin Sober Social Club on Instagram at Austin Sober Social. We're also on Facebook and TikTok. Um, <laughs> and then also Queer Sober ATX is on Instagram at Queer Sober ATX.
0: Amazing, yeah, I love the laugh at TikTok. That's how I feel when I'm like, I'm, I guess I'm on TikTok, but it's it's crazy. I've spent like probably five to six years on Instagram building an account and have about seven thousand followers. I've been on TikTok for like two months and have almost ten thousand followers. I'm like, this is stupid. What is what is happening over here? I heard
1: it's kind like of the wild crazy. west. It's the
0: <laughs> wild west. I still don't know what I'm doing or what what the point is, but it's fun at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, thank you so much for your story and for taking the time today to share it with us. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Sober Stories with me, Beth Bowen, and our guest, Inaya Zuena. Austin folks, I hope I see you at the next Austin Sober Social Club event. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world to us if you took a second to rate and review Sober Stories wherever you get your podcasts. This helps us tell more stories, reach more people, change more lives, one good review at a time. And if you had a big aha moment from today's show, we'd love it if you shared it with us on social media. You can find us at We Are Sober Stories on most platforms. Tag us so we can hear your big takeaways and you never know when we'll send a little thank you. I also want to thank our team here at Sober Stories, Alexis Archuleta on the mixing and podcast. podcast genius side, Callie Williams is our community engagement lead, Daniela Marty for our graphic design, and every single person who has a hand in what we are building. Until next week,
1: my friends.